starting a new series entitled The Hope of Christmas, and I was doing a little research on Christmas, and did you know that scientists have actually studied the effects of Christmas decor on people? And so they're talking about, they, they put um, like probes on people's brains and saw that our prefrontal cortexes and our parietal lobes are actually start firing and start being stimulated when you see stuff like Christmas trees and reindeer and candy canes. So they, they were like, we want to measure, this is of course unbelievers, but like we want to measure the, the spirit of Christmas on people. And so then I'm reading more in this article and they're like, and so you can enjoy the joy of Christmas. And here's how, don't think of bad things, but tell lots of Christmas jokes. That's actually what this article said. And so I thought I'd start with some Christmas jokes. Um, g- give me your best holiday chuckle first. Let me just hear it. <laughs> Come on, let me... All right, um, let, me just, let me give you a couple. Uh, how do you wash your hands over the holidays? With sanitizer. These are awesome jokes, by the way. Why is Santa afraid of getting stuck in a chimney? He has claustrophobia. You get that? Uh, why does Santa have three gardens? Wait for it. So he can ho, ho, ho. I didn't say these were awesome, yeah. <laughs> Don't you like laughing at church? Okay, uh, this is probably for the older ones in the room. You might not get this uh, if, if you're younger. What do you call a kid who doesn't believe in Santa? A rebel without a clause. Remember that? Rebel without a cause. Uh, here's the last one. How much did Santa pay for a sleigh? Nothing. It was on the house. Um, I actually totally disagree with this article. During Christmas time, so many of us experience the most acute pain, and it's because it reminds us of things that we've lost, things that we don't have. So many have lost loved ones. So many, their relationships have been broken or they failed. So, so many times you're, you're thinking about gifts and you are acutely aware of the lack of of finances. There's so many different things where people experience uh, really holiday pain. And so that is why I want to talk on this topic today, because Jesus came to people in pain. When you actually study the Christmas story, the people that Jesus chooses to show up to are people in pain. So today my title is called Gifts in Pain. Gifts in pain. We often think about gifts at Christmas time, but do you know that there are actually gifts in pain? So, starting with one of these prophecies about the Messiah coming in Isaiah chapter 9, it says this Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Are you in distress today? Have you been in distress before? I certainly have. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And then it's going to go and and 
and give a referral to an Old Testament story of of an incredible breakthrough. But let's move on to this next part. It says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Have you ever found yourself in a time of distress? You know, the, the problem with distressing situations is often they lead to a gloom coming over this. That's how Isaiah 9 starts. It says, there's going to be no more gloom for those who are in distress. 2016, I found myself in one of the greatest episodes of distress in my life. I had just found out that someone was trying to split the church. They had betrayed me. I thought they were a a, a close friend. It it led to gossip spreading and many people getting hurt. Then I find out that we were $100,000 in the red, that we were uh, really going to struggle to pay our staff. And I got so discouraged and so hurt. And I remember sitting in this meeting and one of my board members looks at me and says, Robert, you seem like you're in a depression. You're usually so hopeful. Are you depressed? And at that moment, for the first time, I said, yeah, I think so. And I wanted to stand up in that meeting, walk out the door, walk down the street, and keep walking. You ever been there before? Where you're like, I just want to get up, walk out, and never come back. If you feel that way, please don't do that yet. Give me till the end of the message. Um, but that's a, that's a very painful place to be. And I remember it was hard to connect with God. And every day I'd wake up feeling depressed, feeling like I was under a wet blanket. And that is what I love about the Christmas story because it didn't come to people that were just excited about a holiday season. When you look at Galilee, this land that it came to, it had been captured by the Assyrians. And so they had experienced violence. They had experienced famine and hunger. And even at the time when Jesus came, they were under military control. They were oppressed by the Romans. This was a very depressing place. And it says it's there where the child came. And then I love looking at the stories of the different characters that Jesus appears to, that the Christmas story focuses on. If you'll look with me at Luke chapter 1, because what I believe is some of you are going to find yourself in these different places. Perhaps you've lost a loved one. Perhaps you're in a financial hard time. Perhaps you feel like an outcast today. Perhaps you haven't accomplished your goals. Perhaps you're lonely. Perhaps you're dealing with depression or despair. This is the kind of people that Jesus was showing up to. First of all, let me highlight in Luke chapter 1, verse 7, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, it says this, because they're the first ones that the angel shows up to and says, you're going to be in the middle of Jesus' story. It says this, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, how would you like for the one line about you in the Bible to say, not just that you were old, but you were very old? That's what we find out. Um, 
you know, it's not easy to get old. I, my, my parents are, are getting older. Many of their friends are getting older. I am definitely getting older. And I hear them often saying, man, it's not easy to get old. The pain in your body, the, the lack of agility. Sometimes you start forgetting things. I, I lead our high school youth group, and I'm used to being an athlete. And I, I'm used to, like, in the early days, I was one of the fastest ones on the field. Like, I'm the slowest person out there with them. And then I'll be running. I'm like, I'm going to steal. We, we play kickball uh, often. It's not even a real sport. And I'll be like stealing a base and like, oh, I'll, all of a sudden I'll get, I'll like pull my cap. And I'm like, I'm just running. I'm just like this kickball. It's not even a game. And it's just hard to get older. But then it says of Zachariah and Elizabeth, it says they were unable to conceive. So they've gone their whole life without children. Some of you have gone through that pain. And you know what that feels like. Perhaps you've had a miscarriage. Perhaps you had an abortion in your early years. Or perhaps you wanted to have children and you never could. And that was a heartbreaking situation for you. And and we want to be with you in that. And I want to say that was one of the things this couple was going through. And even then, it was more of a stigma in society. And we didn't have, they didn't have social security. They didn't have retirement funds. They didn't didn't have like... uh, assisted living where you could go in. So it was actually a dangerous thing to not have children. So this is what this couple is in when the angel shows up. It is, it's mind-boggling to me the type of people that Jesus said, I'm going to pull you right in my story, and you're the ones I'm going to show up for. Uh, the second one, I, as you look down this chapter, you find Mary. And it says this of Mary, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Uh, I don't know if you've ever lived in a town that was embarrassing. Like San Diego, you know, you tell people I'm in San Diego, they're like, oh, dude, must be nice. That's awesome. Uh, I don't know if you've lived in another town. I used to live in a town um, that we would actually not tell people where we were from. When we, when we moved, we were like, I'm from Central Texas. We wouldn't say the city because so many things had happened, scandals and, 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 and different things, and there was like nothing from it. This is Nazareth. So actually in the Bible, there was a phrase that said, could anything good come from Nazareth? So this is where she's from. It's like a tiny town. There were more sheep than people. We think of sheep as so beautiful. It's because you've never spent any time with sheep. They actually really stink and they have fleas on them. And they're like, the, the, Nazareth was known for its stinkiness. And so this is where she's from. So she's like this teenage kid. It was a town of poor people. And the angel shows up in Nazareth. This is amazing to me. In Galilee, a place where people were made fun of because of their accents, this is the type of person that Jesus shows up to. Then it goes on in Luke 2, we find, and it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, growing up in my Sunday school room, we had this this cool poster of a shepherd, and he had like a big bicep and this beautiful staff next to this pure white sheep. Shepherds were not like that. Like these, do you read what it says? It says the shepherds were living in the fields. They were homeless. They were the dregs of society. They were the lowest. They were stinky. What what happens when you live in a field? You don't smell, right, like cologne. You smell like manure, right, and B.O., manure and B.O. And that is who the angels come to. It just blows me away because what it doesn't say is, and then 
there were the yuppies on the north side of Jerusalem. And the angel came to their suburb and their gated community and said, Hark, I bring you good news. Right? No, he, he comes to the people that are living in the fields smelling like B.O. and manure. I, I, I love that there are gifts in pain. And then it says this in verse uh, 36 of chapter 2. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Here we go, very old again. God loves very old people. <laughs> he also loves children. She had lived with her husband seven years after marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. So she's been a widow probably like 60, 65 years. Imagine that pain, that loneliness. And yet, boom, she's going to be the first person that gets to hold Jesus. Now, I'm not saying if, if, if there are a few things going for you that Jesus isn't going to meet you. Obviously, we see the Magi, but even them, they have to go on a crazy, long, dangerous journey in order to meet Jesus. Can I tell you that there are gifts in pain? There are gifts in pain. And that's what we see in the Christmas story. Many of you know my story. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but I, I was in crazy pain when I was 13 years old. I had transferred to a school. It was a big football program, and I had gotten the starting quarterback position, and I was so excited about that, and then I'm running into the end zone, and I got hit, and I got hit hard, and so I was in pain, but the greater pain was my heart rate spikes up. It's going over 200 beats a minute. I can't breathe, and I'm taken to the ICU, and then for the next months, I would go from hospital to hospital. I'd be removed from my city, and the climax of it was when I'm in this town in, a, in hundreds of miles away. I'm all by myself. They wouldn't let my mom in there. Um, because of a botched surgery, I had this incredible pressure point on my tailbone that I'd been laying nine hours on a steel table, so I'm in pain there. My heart's going crazy. I can't catch my breath, and then what happens when you're suffering like that is often your mind goes crazy. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've lost control of your mind. You feel like you're going insane. Actually, give me physical pain any day over mental pain. And so I am, I am going crazy there. The only thing that would bring me any relief is my mom would get to come in kind of every other hour. And imagine mom's you have a child like that that you think is dying, they're in excruciating pain, they're freaking out emotionally, what do you do? She didn't know what to do. There's no words that she had. So she would open the scripture and she would start just reading it out loud over me. The scripture says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It says he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Can I tell you, you'll never understand how wonderful he is as a counselor until you actually need counsel. Like you'll never experience a wonderful counselor until you find yourself in a place where you're desperate for counsel. And that day for the first time I started experiencing the healing balm, the, the, the ministry, the, the calm, the, the supernatural counsel of the word of God just being read over me. Let me just be really vulnerable. This week, I was experiencing something like that. It's 2.30 in the morning, I was feeling tormented. 
Like sometimes the enemy just goes after us. And sometimes it's hard to, to lead a church and there's, there's been challenges that we've been going through and there's spiritual warfare and I was both physically hurting, but I was, I was in a rough place at 2.30 in the morning and my sweet wife hears me and she goes, can I just read scripture over you? She opened the Psalms and she starts reading, just reading, reading, reading. I finally hear her voice kind of starting to go hoarse. I'm like, okay, you just hand me some earphones. I'll, I'll put play on the Bible app. And I went from a place of tremendous anguish to where I could actually drift off to sleep. Can I just tell you that your pain can be a gift because it lets you come in acute need, in desperation to the Lord. Because as long as everything's going great, we usually don't need the Lord, right? As long as everything's happy and we're just throwing candy canes on our tree, we're not desperate for the Lord. But when you feel like you're going crazy, that's when you need a wonderful counselor. Or for us, we had been a Christian family, church-going family, but when I had a heart problem that almost killed me, that's when my, we became a desperate family, a crying-out-to-Jesus family. And I remember my, my parents starting to cry out and pray, and that's when we started having people lay hands on me to, to pray, like, Lord, we could lose our son. Would you, would you please heal him? I'll never forget. People had been praying for me. And, and I'm now off, I'm off in Indianapolis. I grew up in Central Texas. Now I'm off in Indianapolis, the third city, where they're going to do this experimental heart surgery on me. And they say, what kind of music do you want to listen to? You can listen, you can drift off with your anesthesia to music. And I said, Garth Brooks. Um, I wasn't like, didn't know about worship music back then. I wasn't really following the Lord. And so what happens is the song, Unanswered Prayer, comes on. Like when they're wheeling me into the surgery and I'm like, oh, no. You know, like some of God's greatest gifts or unanswered prayer. Um, and I'm like, no, no, like, Lord, I need this answered. Can I, can I just tell you, um, sometimes the greatest gifts are when things don't go like you hope for. Can I just tell you, sometimes your pain is a setup for the Lord. Like, the, the, the scripture says this. It says, um, it talks about, and we know these light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. It says the light and momentary afflictions are actually amassing for us a glory that will be revealed in us. You've heard people in sports say no pain, no gain, right? Have you heard that? Here's the better phrase. The biblical phrase is no pain, no glory. No pain, no glory. Um, that day they wheeled me out after nine hours of my surgery and they said, we've got bad news. Your heart surgery didn't work. And I'm just devastated. I'm going, Garth Brooks. Um, and they said, but we have good news. We couldn't find anything wrong with your heart. It, it is totally fine. Uh, that was when I was 13. I just had a heart uh, heart tests now that I'm getting older, and they're like, we want to look at your heart. I had a barrage of heart tests two years ago. They said, you have a heart of a much younger man. Sometimes your pain is the very setup for God to move in power. Sometimes your pain is the very setup for God to move in power. But let me just tell you, my life hasn't been a walk in the park. It hasn't just been sunshine and roses and unicorns since then. 
Um, there have been very challenging situations. This has been a very challenging season for me. Anybody hearing Christmas music? I felt like I was about to be like someone was going to stand up and we were in the Christmas show all of a sudden. Um, that would have been cute. Um, we're talking about pain. Uh, we're talking about problems. Yeah, no pain, no glory. Um, I, I love it. Wonderful counselor. My God. Everyone's like, yeah, he has ADD too. Let's pray, pray that he gets healed. Squirrel. I'm like, Christmas song. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You, you don't ever know the everlasting Father until you need him moment by moment. You don't need him moment by moment until you're in pain, right? It's, it's, it's those experiences where you're like desperate minute by, I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that of mental anguish where you're like, I can't make it the next minute. Like I'm going crazy. And then you start calling out to God moment by moment and he starts meeting you. And then all of a sudden you start understanding what it's like to have that everlasting, everlasting because every moment you need him. Have you, have you experienced God like that? That's where pain is an invitation. See, pain does three things. First of all, it compels us. Point one, pain compels us to draw near to God. So often we just go throughout our life and then it's our pain that makes us draw near to God. And the thing is, all of a sudden you're desperate, you draw near to God and the Bible says he'll draw near to you. And so your pain becomes a gift because you would have never experienced God. I would have never cried out to God without my heart problem. I would have never seen God move without my heart problem. I would never be doing what I'm doing without my heart problem. The second thing that pain does is pain changes you. Pain actually changes you. That's why James 1 talks about consider it pure joy when you're going through these trials because they produce in you perseverance and they produce in, in, in you this hope and this maturity until you're lacking nothing. You can't become mature without pain. That's why pain is a gift. I hate to say, I don't like pain. I'm not, I, I don't like it, but I understand that the glory, the maturity, the depth in God, there's a scripture that says he's hidden treasure in dark places, right? You, you, you watch these treasure hunter shows, right? And the stakes are huge, but it's super dangerous. Why isn't everyone hunting for treasure? Because it's dangerous. Because it's scary, because it's on the backside of nowhere. And that's like the glory of God. Your pain is an invitation to find the deep things of God. I don't want to just have the little trickle blessings of the sparkles on the top of the cookie Christianity. You want the deep presence and word of the living God and to know him as a friend. And the third reason why, why pain it's actually a gift is it makes us long for heaven. As long as everything's good going on on the earth, we, we forget to live for eternity. And we get there and we'd be, as the Apostle Paul said, one's just escaping the flames of fire because we would have just lived for this kingdom. But do you understand that how you live on earth determines heaven? And do you know that there's reward for those who long for the return of Jesus? There's actually reward for that. And there's reward for your worship. And there's reward for you walking closely with him. And so often, pain is what reminds us. I love that song. 
the hymn of heaven. Listen to these words. They've been just impacting me so deeply. I've been playing all my bad days. This is the song I go to. How I long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets. When I found out my mom had cancer for the second time, man, the first time we really thought we were gonna lose her, then it comes back. You know what it does? It makes me long for heaven because there's no cancer in heaven. You know when I'm afflicted mentally? It makes me long. Like I actually walk around going like, I can't wait. I have no fear of dying. I'm like excited. Why? Because it's so much better. There is no, there's no more depression. There's no more despair for you guys that battle depression every day. Can I tell you, it's not forever. You're going to cross that line and you'll be depression free. Heaven's a depression free zone. Heaven's a cancer free zone. It's, it's a calorie free zone. <laughs> Which I really like that in the holidays. Um, right? It's, 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 but without pain, we don't long for heaven. We don't long for heaven. So how do we respond? Let me just finish with this. How can we respond? How can you respond? Because I know some of you, today you're in pain. And for me, if you're like me, you just want to get rid of it. You're like, I just want to push it aside and watch a Netflix series. Or I want to push it aside and like go get in the water and surf or go find some powder somewhere and, you know, or... That's skiing. Um, um, or just a, just a really nice mocha, right? Or a puppy. Um, what do we do? What do you do in pain? What do you do? Um, first of all, run to Jesus in your pain. Pain is dangerous because you have two options. You can run towards them or you can run away from them. Um, I have not seen one Christian that ran away from Jesus in their pain that it worked for. Uh, I'm not saying that you need to be happy about it. Actually, if you read the Bible, you'll see numerous Psalms where people are angry and frustrated. I've had numerous times where I'm like, God, what the heck? God, what, why? Well, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I know you're perfect. Have you had this experience? We're like, I know you're perfect, but I'm really mad right now. And honestly, my way is a lot better. And of course that's not right. But you know, God's big enough to handle your frustration and your anger. Just don't run away. Go to him. He, he's actually big enough. He's like the big parent that the kid's throwing the temper tantrum. And he's so big that he can just, like my dad was this big college football player. So I could throw a temper tantrum and he'd just go like this and hold me. And I'm like, ah! didn't affect him. He's just like, just looking at me, loving me. That's how God is with you. You're like, ah! and he just holds you, right? Let him hold you and be real. Um, secondly, so first run to God in your pain. Don't run away. I've never heard someone have a testimony where they're like, and I, and I walked away from God and it changed my life. No, the thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to give life. Uh, number two, secondly, ask him what he's doing through your pain. You're in pain today. I bet you half this room is in pain today. Instead of just saying, God, take away my pain, ask him, what are you wanting to do in my pain? Let me get all that you have for me in this painful situation. Because the third, the third step 
is actually where you start seeing God work so much in your pain that you start thanking him for the opportunity because you realize you're getting more of him because you realize he's doing greater work on you because you realize he's changing you into a more heavenly focused person because you realize he's changing you into a person that changes other people's lives. I'll finish with this. I was talking on pain to a, a group of university students this week on a college campus. And, um, you know, in the old days, we would have said, hey, if you've gotten old enough, you live long enough on earth, you're going to be in pain. Now what I find is our young people are in pain. Our kids, our kids live in an uncertain world. There's wars going on. There's strife between all kinds of people. The schools aren't safe anymore. There's been pandemics. There's been an economic uncertainty. There's all kinds of hate. And, and so everyone has experienced pain. And here's the thing. As a believer, you experience pain and you go to God in that. And then he, he has something different for you than the rest of the world. He has a supernatural solve he puts on you and your pain. And it allows you to give something supernatural to others. So I'm in this, in this time and I'm, I'm talking and I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing uh, these, a couple of girls that I got to talk to that um, I said, if you're in pain, come down and, and different people came down. But I start talking to these girls and I find out at this university, they, they weren't followers of Jesus. But here they are responding to a sermon about pain. And because why? Because our pain makes us acutely aware of our need. And as they're there, I'm talking to them about knowing Jesus, and my heart just starts ripping out for them, and I am getting teary-eyed because of the great compassion I feel for them. You see, believer, when you go through pain, you're able to experience and give compassion to those around you. And then you're able to receive God's compassion for you. And then it, it, it emits from your life. It permeates every fiber. And it makes you the kind of person that transforms those around you. And so by the end of that time, I was praying. And these, these precious girls were giving their life to Jesus. And we're, I'm giving them these big dad hugs. Because the pain I had gone through, God met me in that. So I could give them what God gave me. That's what God wants to do through you. We stand up.